Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome to episode 10, part 3 of our discussion on total depravity. Um, and then kind of what you were talking about, which is maybe the harder question, are we at least born pure? Um, so Psalm 51, 5, I remember memorizing Psalm 51 when I was in high school. And I would get to these verses where uh, David would talk about being conceived in sin. And I was like, it's probably, you know, what does he really mean? Like, I think his parents were married. Like, <laughs> you know? Right. But now, now I, I think he's just saying even from the beginning of his conception, from when he was still, he was, he's a sinner. That's it. He's by, what we would say, maybe by his nature, he sinned. So you say he's talking about himself, not his parents. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's not some illicit affair and he was right. the product of adultery, but that his nature from the earliest moments of life right. are sinful. Yeah. So the verse says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not talking about his mother and father doing some sinful act. He's talking about his nature. He's bound up in sin. Yeah. And you know, David, even though he was sinful, is one of the greatest representatives of the you know is, Israelite people. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of them, but he was a man after God's own heart, and yet he was from the beginning sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, John three six says that which is born of flesh is flesh. This is where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's saying, yeah, you're the flesh begets flesh. You need spirit. You know, the flesh can only, you know, you can push that f- further, but I think the, the principle is there mm-hmm. that um, you need a second coming alive because right now you're dead. Um, Genesis eight twenty one. the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Pretty straightforward. I'm just going to keep ticking through these unless you have something to add to them. Um, he asked the question, what is the natural disposition of man towards God? John three twenty. for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Romans 8, 7 through 8, for the mind uh, that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Uh, what is man's relationship to God? Again, these are some repeats. Ephesians 2, 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind mm-hmm. so our our natural disposition towards god is that we are in rebellion to him and he has wrath on us what mm-hmm. god hates the sinner too yeah <laughs> turns out yeah um uh further on in ephesians 2 he says remember that you at that time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenant of promise. He's talking to Ephesians through Galatians, and he's talking about where they were before. Um, but at least we can say all Gentiles <laughs> fall under this. And I think by extension, the other verses, we can say all, all Jews are separated from Christ until they enter into the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> can man do anything to please God? Proverbs 15, 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord. Um, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord. And that's Proverbs 15, 8. 
Uh, Romans 8, 7 through 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, Hebrews 11, 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Um, I do want to take issue with one some, some ways that this is interpreted. And I heard a message by John Piper. And if you were to take what John Piper says, John Piper says a lot of good things, but sometimes he says some stuff I'm like that. I'm not buying that. Mm. John Piper takes this verse to mean that if you go to bed at night without faith, that is a sinful act. If you drink a cup of water without faith, that is a sinful act. There is nothing that we could, no activity that we could do that unless we proceed that activity with some mindful mindset of, I'm doing this act out of faith in God, that that is sinful. What's your initial thoughts on that? I don't know how to drink a cup of water. I mean, I, that seems to me just to be an odd category of thought because I guess at base I would say that I trust that God made the world good and that this water in my glass is going to nourish me and that's because he created my body that way. And so I I drink it trusting... Yeah, I, I mean, that that's very stilted in my mind. Um, I don't know what it means to drink a cup of water in faith. I don't know what it means to go to bed in... Like, I, I always live my life in light of the fact that God is my king. And so for whatever I do, whether I eat or drink or go to bed, have a cup of water, I mean, there, there is a baseline there of faith, but it seems odd to me um, that... I don't know how to do some of those more mundane activities with an explicit mindfulness of faith. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at too. Right. It's, it's like... Um, if, 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 so here's the, here's the point, and you may disagree with me on this. Some people will say that um, fallen men in their fallen state can do no good deed. And I think what happens here, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the, the conclusion at, at the beginning, and then we can work to it. I think what happens here is we are confusing what we mean by good deed when we say that, because there's lots of passages like this and others that would say, um, you you can do no good deed, and the context of that is in pursuit of your justification. Uh, there's nothing that a fallen person could do that would merit salvation or merit justification but that's the way the un, the elect are too we the elect cannot merit our salvation so there's no good deed like that that a fallen person could do but there's no good deed like that that a an elect person could do either we are all trusting in christ's good deed but if we just go to mundane good deeds it's hard for me to say that a fallen soldier not fallen like dead but not elect, who would, for the sake of his brothers in arms, fall on a grenade to save them. It's hard for me to say that's not a good deed. Is that going to merit salvation for him? No. But Paul says, what greater love could a man have than he lay down his life for someone else? And maybe he would do it for a good person, but God did it while we were his enemies, while we were sinners. So it's hard for me to say, 
wow, this guy, that was a good deed, even though he's he fallen. Does that mean he's going to, is that going to put some merit in his bank for heaven? No, that's not, that's not the category of good that we normally are talking about when we're talking about deeds like that. So I guess we should have said at the beginning, total depravity, at least in my mind, sorry, sorry if you heard that on the mic, at least in my mind, uh, doesn't mean that a fallen person can't do a good deed. It just means that just like the elect, whether, no matter where you are, we're not going to be able to do good deeds unto salvation or for justification. Paul in Galatians says, you know, those of you who turn to circumcision for justification, you, there's there's no hope for you. And he says he wishes those people who are telling him that would just mutilate themselves. Um, Paul's pretty. But uh, so I, I wouldn't want to press those too far like I see, I think Piper does in that sermon that I heard. I think this is where it's important to define terms and to come up with semantic differences because on the one hand, depending on what Piper means, I can find myself agreeing with him, but I also think I agree with you and I think it would be in two different contexts. Um, Are fallen men and women able to do objectively good deeds. I would say from a human standpoint, yes, they can do things that are actually good. When you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, when you go and help um, sick people, or, you know, there there are things that are good that are defined as good by God, and it's not an impossibility for fallen humans to engage in those activities. That said, I think what Piper would say, because this, now that we're framing this discussion, it reminds me more of some kind of classical reformed thought where the idea is anything that falls short of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is sinful because you're falling short of the most basic commandment. And so, again, going back to the Piper thing, what does he mean by drinking a cup of water in faith? What does he mean by going to bed in faith? If by that he means that just in general in life, everything you do falls under the Lordship of Christ and even your sleep patterns and your eating and those types of things are governed by this overarching kingship of Christ that permeates all of your life. Okay, that, that I can get with and, and, and non-believers can't do that. Non-believers go in and do things that are objectively good, but not to God's glory. And I think that would be the distinction that he's making. Um, and so anything that's not done for the glory of God, even if it's objectively good, um, I think would fall under the broad category of sinful, while still maybe from a different perspective, also being able to be categorized in actual good deeds. For instance, uh, I think in Philippians chapter 1, you have this type of an action that from one perspective looks one way and from another perspective looks another way. And that is you have preachers preaching the gospel for the wrong reasons. And not only can God use that because God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick, but Paul even rejoices in it and says, 
these guys aren't doing it to the glory of God, and I would say that then categorizes it under a sinful rubric. But at the same time, they're proclaiming apparently the right gospel because Paul doesn't correct the content. So I think, I think you have to frame it and ask, what perspective are you looking at? If you have people that are going over and digging wells in Africa to bring clean drinking water, from one perspective, that's good, whether it's done to the glory of God or not, because it's beneficial to those people. But from another perspective, if it's done for self-aggrandizement, then we would say that demonstrably good activity is also still sinful. So, I, I, I Yeah, think... I agree with what you're saying. I would say that, and that's what I was trying to say, is we, even if now if we're to port those same actions over into a believer, Paul says, I don't even judge myself because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know my motivations. I leave all that to God. I think the same question mark could be put next to a believer why are we doing this podcast? Why do I teach? Why do I lead? You know, why would I sing a solo? Um, hopefully, and I'm mindful of the fact that I want to be doing this to God's glory. But I, I really like it when guys pat me on the back and say that was a good lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I don't disagree with you. And maybe the, the difference is that I'm aware of my own sinfulness, and then I confess. You know, God help me to do this for Your glory and Your glory alone. Um, but when I read the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I go, how often do I do that? I know I'm a sinful guy. Um. <laughs> I, I don't know that I ever get it yeah, perfect. Right. You know. So, and, so that's the sense that I'm saying. I think it, at least if I, were, if I were to grant Piper what he's saying, I'll say, okay, that's fine. But what's good for the goose is, is also sauce for the gander. I, I think, on, except for maybe on rare exceptions, that's also true of all the good works that we do. I think we're going to be surprised at the amount of good works that burn up as wood, hay, and stubble, and the, the, the parsity that pass through as you know gold and rubies and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I would say, though, I think the difference is unbelievers don't even have a category for the glory of God. At least with believers. In, Do you think in, that's true, though? I mean, if Paul says in their heart they know there is a God, they can see his, you know, his um, invisible qualities for, through creation. Let me, okay, let me rephrase. And, oh, and they, let's don't, say, they don't have a category where they want God's glory. Well, what if it's, let's say it's a very pious person who believes in God, um, and doesn't have scripture. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I, I just. I just think it's a tough line to draw for us to say we're. You know, as mankind, God's law is written on all of our hearts. It's hard for me to say. Like, like I said, that soldier taking a bullet or a grenade for his other for his comrades. When you could say at the moment, is it because? I guess someone could say, well, it's because he is idolizing his friends and wanting to save them and he's not doing it for God's glory. It sure seems like a great and noble deed to me. Um, And I want to acknowledge that we do all those things in sinful, like we're, we're sinful people. The, what we're called to do mankind, 
We don't even have to draw any. Mankind is drawn to love God with our all heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we do that perfectly, we've, we've gained no merit because that's our duty. Mm-hmm. There's no duty. There's no merit in duty. So I'm not saying that this guy should get special consideration from God on the final judgment day. Like he has merited some star that he gets to wear in, in hell. hell. <laughs> <laughs> or or that, that, oh, because you sacrificed yourself for your comrades, that's going to make me think twice before, you know, because either that guy's in Christ or he's not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I... I I would. I feel uncomfortable drawing the line as 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 firm as Piper does. Okay. And I agree that we're all sinful, and that that they they don't honor God from a mo- that motivation. Okay. Wrapping up here. Um, are men at least seeking God? Uh, John 3.20 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Romans 3, which we already read, no one seeks after God. Which, interestingly, I, I, I cited that in the discussion I was having online recently, and somebody replied to me and said that they thought that, jo- that Paul, or maybe the psalmist who he's quoting, were being hyperbolic. And... I, I want to be fair, but I... I don't see how you could read this. I don't this. see how you can read it. Yeah, it, it seems explicitly and repeatedly and exhaustively... Nearly a whole chapter being hyperbolic. <laughs> right, so... Um, and it's like a, a part of his argumentation as he builds up. So, yep. yeah. yeah, I don't see it. see that. Can the natural man comprehend the gospel or come to a saving knowledge of God on his own? Um, lots of places... Paul will say that the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. Um, the natu- in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. One eighteen for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. To, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4, our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. So multiple... Um, can uh, men of themselves accept God's gift of salvation? Do men choose God or come to Him on their own? So now we've shifted from total depravity proper into ability and free will. Right. Yeah. So now I think it's a natural transition, mm-hmm. but this is this is the point where those Arminians who would subscribe to a total depravity that we agree with would depart our company. Mm-hmm. So this is one of my, well, I will just say I was brought up, I think I mentioned this before, um, maybe not on camera though, <laughs> where we had some debate at my first church that I was at when I was younger. And it, I was just kind of, I knew that there was some kerfuffle with the adults and my father in passing. I was like, well, you know, there's some people that believe in predestination and election, but we don't believe that. And I think I've since convinced my, I know my mom was convinced. Uh, uh, I think maybe dad, we'll see where he's at. But uh, dad, well, comment on the video. <laughs> if you're watching, comment dad. Um, but um, I was like, well, in my mind, well, why would why would anyone think that? And I think I asked that question and dad was like, well, there are some verses <laughs> that use this word that you might think. Um, so I remember as I was reading 
scripture, uh, I, I don't think I was actually truly saved until 17, but I started digging in the word and I came across these verses. Um, I'm going to read it out of the NASB, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's in this opening, uh, of John and, uh, so hopefully y'all hear all those ruffles. Um, but it's talking about Jesus says in verse 11, he says, he came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And he's going to tell us who those people were, mm-hmm. um, who were born, not of the blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he gives us three different categories. These people did not become children because um, of a bloodline. They didn't become children of God because of the will of the flesh, nor because of the will of some other person. That's how I take those three categories. But they became of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and in John chapter 3, the born motif comes back into play and is kind of the metaphor for spiritual life, right. for salvation. So it's not kind of missing it to associate those things together. Right. And then now we're going to pick up some verses. I challenge, and I challenge a good friend of mine who you're probably listening, just read the New Testament and every place that there is one of these verses, underline it because there are passages that may not be specifically dealing with it, but it's just like it's scattered all throughout the New Testament in, um, you know, like Acts and John, where these, these little phrases were all who were drawn believed. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. As many as were appointed by themselves to eternal life believed. <laughs> yeah. The by themselves was not in the right, original right. Greek. Um, so John 6 uh, is an extended passage where Jesus is talking. I'll give some. I'll give the two main verses and you can add any context you want to. But he's talking to the Jews and Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Um, and then in verse 65, he says, and he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted him from the Father. So it's pretty clear to me that, and, and you could say, well, he's just talking to the Jews. Well, that doesn't help the case out for the Gentiles, like we've said in the past. Um, that this ability to come forward is not of themselves, but Mm -hmm. it is granted to them from the Father. Anything else you want to say on those? So there's a paragraph, verse 35 through 40, that to me it just lays it out so straightforward that I, I know people argue with this, and I know they want to jump to John 12 and this, that, and the other, and say, well, Jesus is going to draw everybody, and that's really get prevenient grace. But it, let me just read the, the paragraph, because I think it rather speaks for itself. But he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Okay, I think that's clearly talking about salvation. You, you come to the bread of life, and you receive life. You come to the source of the water of life, and you receive life. And then you don't hunger and thirst because those are satisfied. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. And then he explains what that means. Mm -hmm. All that the Father gives me will come to me. 
and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Okay. Would you say that God drawing to the Son and God giving to the Son are parallel activities? Yeah. Could you even come up with a distinction between those? Okay, I can't either. Uh, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So he and the Father are in complete accord on this. Mm -hmm. There's no, the Father wants to save some that the Son doesn't, or vice versa. They're, They're totally simpatico in lockstep. Verse 39, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Okay, raise it up on the last day is salvation. Yeah, the he ultimate hasn't. resurrection. So, so all that the Father gives him come, all that come will never, be cast, will never be cast out, all that have been given will not be lost, but will be raised up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So then you have the mechanism of salvation all bound up in the will of God that's bound up in a, in a very clearly select group of people that are drawn by the Father to the Son, given by the Father to the Son, kept by the Son, and then raised by the Son. I, I don't see how you can fit in a universal prevenient grace that makes everybody drawn in some way to the Son by the Father. It, it's, that is a very exclusive passage, mm-hmm. not an inclusive passage. Um, and then in 44 you have it again, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Father draws, so they come, which I would say again is parallel to the Father giving. I mean, that, that's all different ways to describe the same thing. I don't see any room here to say, well, the Father draws everybody, but only some come. And then later down in verse 65, they're grumbling, and he says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. That doesn't make sense if it's granted to everybody. It, it, it just, it, it's a passage that breathes election, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And I think the crowds understood what he was saying because they get mad and leave, <laughs> right? This isn't Jesus being the great wooing evangelist. Mm-hmm. And if we're supposed to be persuasive... You're saying with this, this didn't tickle their ears. This didn't, no. And, and, <laughs> and if we're supposed to go out and persuade them with the gospel, we're not modeling after what Jesus did. Now, I don't always want to poke the way he did because I think he was God and there's some differences. He gets to poke differently than we do. I would say yes. I'm, yeah. I'm not braiding a whip of cords to drive people out of the temple, but I do think it's very indicative that Jesus knows what's going to happen and drives people away. And I think there are some Armenians out there, I'm thinking initially of Leighton Flowers with his idea of judicial hardening. That to me doesn't make sense of this passage. It doesn't make sense that he's only doing this to Israel because they have so calloused themselves. I mean, the, the, the whole stuff that Jesus is talking about here seems very, very universal. Mm-hmm. No one, all, no one, all. I, I, don't, I don't see how that's a group type of thing or simply for the Jews. I don't disagree. That concludes episode 10 part three of our discussion on total depravity. Tune in next time for part four, our final discussion on total depravity. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus. 
the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.